We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 48, the last episode of the year. This is the 2018 in review. I am Rando. And I am Corey. And we're recording this on December 30th, 2018. And we have now, I think, healed from all the festivities of, of Christmas last week, I guess. You're back in town. The, the, the entire month of December is just exhausting running around and then december 26th it just all stops and i don't know what to do with myself you know it's just yeah well now what sit here and be bored and open boxes upon boxes upon boxes of toys that my kids bring me and and assemble them well yeah i try to do that (laughs) the night before so i'm up till two or three in the morning trying to do that but uh, they're still finding presents that we haven't opened yet. So, you know, I no got to find batteries and open boxes. And you, they must have a magician design these boxes or a high security expert because you can't just get into them. You can't just rip them apart. You have to have screwdrivers and drills and everything else to get into these boxes these days to, you know, counter the shoplifting, you know, efforts of people. Oh, yeah. But, and, uh, and those security things you it, you have to go through when they check out. They have to take them off, and they can't find the little key to take oh, it yeah, off. Sure. And the line backs up. And <laughs> now I I, mean, I remember back you know many years ago. You know you could just walk up to the store, pick something out, buy it, open it up, and go. I mean I get stuff. Uh, I have in ear monitors, and I have these little. They're called sleeves that go on uh, on the the thing on the portion of the monitor that goes into your ear, a little foamy thing, and I can't get into that that box mm-hmm. to save my life. So, you know, being a guy, you know, you mess with it for a while, and then you just get the big scissors, and then you start ripping and stuff. It's like, I just want in this package. That's all I want. <laughs> no, we, we had a had a great time. My kind of grandson came to visit on, let's see, it was Monday, I think, Sunday or Monday. Spent a few days. No, Sunday. Spent a couple of days, and we drove up to Springfield. Had uh, the family up there. Wonderful ham dinner and open presents. And we played croquet. And I tell you, my mother won again. Well? I don't know what it is. She always beats us. <laughs> she probably has more experience, I would guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. She, she she must have the the, the grandmother experience uh, or, or something. Well, I mean, she's a tomboy. She was a really good bowler back Back uh, several years ago, so she's you know she taught me how to play ping pong. Love ping pong, um, and still is just going to this day. I won't, I won't reveal her age, so mother, I know you're listening to this. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got back. But you know, like you said, on December 26th, uh, Logan went back with uh, with his his mom and family, and they went back to Fayetteville, and I was here all by myself. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was it was weird, yeah. You know, and and for 
performing, you know, I'm with the Hughes brothers. Everybody knows we went all the way up to that Saturday before Christmas, and then we started back uh, on the 27th. So we did shows the 27th, 28th, and 29th, which is last night, and we have our New Year's Eve show. So we still have tickets if you're listening to this uh, tonight, tomorrow, and you want to come see a show and celebrate New Year's with us. Uh, call the box office. I. Can't remember their number offhand, but do you wear special anything for New Year's? Are you one of those shows that makes you wear a tuxedo? No, some of those shows do. Makes puts a man on a tuxedo for New Year's. And, no, that cost you, him you, extra. You wore tuxedos for a long time at Shoji, didn't you? Yeah, Shoji's, and then the Showboat. I wore tuxes, and uh, then then I went to uh, Country Tonight for a couple of years, and that was awesome because I, I got to wear jeans, right, and a cool shirt. You know, <laughs> and now I, I think everybody's pretty much. Going band is just all black now, so I've got some nice black black slacks and a uh, black shirt and, and everything. Um, I may, maybe it's a slam to the musicians. You know, they don't want us to be really seen anymore, so they put us all in black and push us back. <laughs> but it it's real fun. It, it's going to be fun tomorrow, and we're going to ring in the new year and then go home. And twenty nineteen is going to be just wonderful. But it looks like it's going to be wet for the start of New Year's Eve. We've got a system coming up from the from the Gulf, and it's going to start affecting us in well, this, this evening. It's uh, about 1.30 now in the afternoon, and they're talking about 6 o'clock. It's just going to open up. Well, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't have anywhere to be or nothing to do, so, you know. Yeah, and I got today off, too. And they're talking uh, – they're – Pretty consistent on rainfall amounts of getting one to one and a half inches across the Branson area. Now, heavier amounts are going to be towards south-central Missouri, so West Plains could get a little bit more. Springfield will get a little bit less. Uh, but this thing it, it is different than most of these systems because it's coming up from the south, from the Gulf, which is unusual because most of these things are coming you know, from the west mm-hmm. or the northwest. And... Uh, no snow with this one. Uh, temperatures are cold, but no snow. This thing's coming up from the south. Going to dump some rain on us, and it's going to depart. And right after this thing departs, bam, we got another cold front coming, and that's going to make New Year's Day mighty chilly. I don't think we're going to have any wind with this. I mean, really, really wind with this one, but winds are going to shift to the northwest. Uh, good day to stay inside, I think, for New Year's Day. You got plans? Not really. We're just going to chill. Yeah. Open some more boxes. Yeah, some more. more, Boy, you're going to have presents for months. (laughs) I I could if I only open one a day. Tell you what. (laughs) That's great. But uh, on average, temperatures are going to stay, you know, pretty pretty average. Uh, We're talking 40s and 20s. That's kind of where we're at this time of year. Now we're going to have the like like we're saying a cold the temperature is going to be in a roller coaster. We're going to you know the the cold front's going to come through New Year's Day, tank temperatures and then a slow warming trend and did you see the highs for like Saturday? They're up there. <laughs> They're like approaching 60 possibly. <laughs> I mean, well, we've had that just last week too. I mean, the whole our whole weather outlook for the past 4 weeks till now and Two weeks in advance is just up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, and that's that. I mean, that's normal. We 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 know that. And a lot of people that, say that's what causes their their sickness. I was like, man, whatever. But 
Yeah, well, I'm not. I think that's been debunked. Yeah, uh, they think. But I mean, and also the anecdotal thing about the pressure. The pressure in winter, the pressure changes a lot, and that's why you know you get the these low pressure systems which bring us the warm air. Then you get these big cold high pressure systems, and that makes everybody's bones ache. But it doesn't cause the flu. No, no. I think the the only thing I've read that makes sense to me is they say that the, the that the flu is. It spreads easier is because if it's really cold outside, then everybody's indoors. So if one person gets the flu, they can spread it to all the other people. Well, I can see that. That makes sense to me. It's the same as, you know, in the fall, when Branson gets tons and tons and tons of group buses. Sometimes they bring that norovirus in and it spreads like wildfire. I remember that a few years ago. Same as on the cruise ships. Same, same mm-hmm. virus. Yeah. Well, they're all in a confined space. Exactly. So that's that. So, so that's that's our suggestion to you. Just don't be in a confined space. There you go. Just stay outside. Always use the uh, cart cleaner at Walmart. They they provide the little Purell. Uh, oh, those wipes. Yeah, yeah. I always do that. Yeah, it 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 it's good to be safe on that because you the last thing you want is to get sick. And I heard there's another little like respiratory virus going around. It's not the flu, but it's kind of a respiratory thing. RSV is going around uh, for kids. It's a respiratory type flu-like thing that's no fun. But uh, we haven't got it so far. Now, I I haven't heard of a lot of reports in Branson. Uh, I need to check Taney County on that. But uh, bottom line, just because it's cold doesn't mean you're more susceptible to the flu. That's an indirect correlation. Actually, I've heard if you sleep when your house is chilly and not warm, you actually tend to be healthier. Really? Because germs don't like the cold weather. Ah. I've read that uh, several several occasions. So, yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense because because if, if, if they don't like cold weather, then everybody's inside where it's nice and warm, and that's where the germs fr- thrive, and then right. that's where you get sick. Okay, we just solved that mystery. So. <laughs> <laughs> No need to look that up. No. And I looked at the, the, the GFS. I mean, it's been consistent. After this little rain thing moves through, I don't really see a lot of precipitation in the next 10 days. So we're heading into some boring stormdar weather time. I know. I know. And it, it, it's, you know, we have to find something to do. We have to find something to get people. I have something. Oh, something up your sleeve? Mm, okay. Well, I'll, I'll bring it up here later. Oh, okay. I'm going to tease it. I'll give you something to do during those boring storm storm oh, days. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, and I don't... Uh, here's a fun fact. I saw this. On New Year's Eve last year, we had wind chills of about 20 below zero. So it was cold last year at this time. Wow, I don't remember that. But, you know... Yeah. I, I, I was inside, I guess, getting the flu. Yeah. Did you have the flu last year? No. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to take a look at the quick uh, CPC, which is the Climate Prediction Center Outlook. Now, I will say that our weather school this week is all about the Climate Prediction Center, stuff that you uh, probably didn't know, stuff I didn't know. I mean, these weather schools are not only educational for, peop- for other people, they're educational for me because I know what they do. But it's like, huh, and I learned so much, too. So they are saying January, February, and March, we have equal chances for normal temperature and precipitation. So uh, that's for us. And in, they, they do them in three-month or 90-day stretches. So they do January, February, March. Then they do February, March, April. 
and then March, April, May. So the second one, February, March, and April, equal chances in temperature, but they're saying slightly above in precipitation. So it eh, might be a hint of something, you know, a little bit more liquid coming in. And March, April, and May, slightly above in both temperature and precipitation. So that's, so that could be something. And then in April, May, and June, slightly above in temperature, but equal chances of precipitation. So overall, it doesn't look like anything major is going on. Um, the, I think the Pacific Northwest, if this El Nino keeps up, they could, uh, they could get some, some, some heat, some, something up there. We're going to really start hitting that next year which is actually next week on next week's podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, let's get to the... I got one more thing here. Oh, I, you I said we had something to do this week. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we have the uh, possibly the strongest meteor shower of the year. Oh, okay. This week. Yes. Of 2019. 2019, I'll tell you this. doesn't look good for meteor showers because some of the bigger meteor showers in the summer and later on in the fall and winter uh, are during... Uh, when the moon is out and bright and kind of dampening a lot of light there. Oh, right. So uh, January 3rd and 4th is the Quadrantids meteor shower. Quadrantids. Quadrantids. Quadrant. Quadrantids. It always ends with ids. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's weird. Anyway, it peaks on the 4th, on the morning of the 4th from 2 a.m. to about 6 a.m. Uh, but it's the January 3rd and 4th. Uh, the best time, like I said, is 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, expect 60 to 120 meteors per hour. Oh, wow. Uh, this uh, meteor shower is a little different because it doesn't come from a comet. It, 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 it originates from an asteroid. Oh. Asteroid 2003EH2, one Now, there's speculation that this asteroid is actually a dead comet. So it would still be a comet, you know, but 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 it's classified yeah. as an asteroid. And don't go out early and don't go out late because this comet band or this band of asteroids or meteors is very thin. So they're only expecting you to be able to even see them from that 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. No early stragglers or, or early comers or late stragglers. You, oh, wow. You need to go out during that peak time to see these things. Does, does it say where in the sky, like, specifically? Yes. You're going to look. Let's see here. I don't speak Latin, but uh, <laughs> it comes from a, a former constellation. It's not even a real constellation anymore. Quadrants Moralis. Oh. So, uh, let's see here. I'm going to read you can just look right up straight as high into the sky as you can. Just right up. Uh -huh. Okay. I think they call it azimuth or zenith or something like that. Yeah. But uh So it'd be good to like take a take an air bed outside and you know, you can lay in that and in the yeah, sub zero get some, temperatures. Get some blankets. <laughs> hopefully we're gonna have I mean, I haven't looked at the weather or anything like that, but uh hopefully the clouds will be minimal that night well i think we're in for some good weather this week because like i was saying once this this thing moves out that's from the gulf then high pressure is going to take over i mean there may be some a few clouds around but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it's overcast let me do go on and let me do another check here they're also saying that these meteors the possibility exists that some of these could be extremely bright 
So it could be interesting. Kind of. It's awful early or late for me, though. Oh, well, I know. But I like to go watch them. But I'm off in the month of January. Yeah. So maybe I just need to sleep until noon and then stay Possibly. up until, until uh, the forecast, The current forecast, again, this is Sunday. So I'm looking at the forecast for Branson and the surrounding area. It looks like, uh, see, Thursday is the third, mostly sunny. Thursday night, mostly clear. Friday is sunny. Friday night is mostly clear. So there I you go. bet you anything we're going to have. That's good. And, and the moon will not be a factor on the 4th. So Perfect. We won't have a problem. Oh, that's going to be nice. I'm Okay. Well, since I don't have to get up and I have nothing to do, I'm going to get out there and watch it. Cool. So if, if any of you are uh, picture takers, go out there. Take some pictures. If you don't know how to do that. Google it; it'll tell you. Yeah. If you have a, a DSLR camera, you'll need you won't be able to use your iPhone or anything like that. But right. Do, do they do what, what do they call it? Like a freeze frame or something, or, or open frame? How's that? Where you can it'll you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a thirty second uh, long picture. You hit the shutter button, and that shutter stays open for thirty seconds long. It's called long exposure. Long exposure. Okay. So. Well, you can set it for a different time. So it's taking a picture of the sky for 30 seconds, and anything that streaks across the sky is going to show up in your picture. Oh, I need one of those. So it's cool. Wow. We did it We did it one time, but it was in the middle of you know summer, so it wasn't freezing. Oh, yeah. You have to go out there, click the shutter, and run yeah. back inside or something. <laughs> we just opened the sunroof of my car and put the camera and pointed up and hit. Oh, that's cool. We stayed as warm as we could. Wow. Well, I'm going to do that. But let's talk about the 2018 year in review for Southwest Missouri, Branson, and Springfield. We've got uh, several several things we found, especially in severe thunderstorms and tornadoes. Uh, we got uh, January 21st. Uh, we had a tornado, and that tornado was uh, to southeast Hoburg in Lawrence County. It was an EF1. Estimated peak winds of 95 miles an hour. That's in January. We were talking about that a few podcasts ago. From what I recall, it damaged some outbuildings at a farm, maybe a, a fence, maybe a barn. Uh, I remember posting some pictures of it on the site. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean. Four outbuildings, an irrigation system, two ski boats, and numerous trees were destroyed. There you go. Whoa. Uh, so we were kind of calm until April 13th. Had severe weather and tornadoes. Uh, looks here. Oh, we had, uh, I'm looking at this, on uh, Macomb in Wright County. Macomb, Missouri in Wright County had an EF2 estimated peak winds of 130 miles an hour. Uh, we got that. And also a tornado in Dawson, which is in Wright County. That was an EF1. Uh, Success, Missouri, which was in Texas County. That was an EF1. Licking had one, EF1 also. We, that was a big day of, of tornadoes. In the April 13th, uh, yeah, on April 13th. So, and then we now, now, see, now we're getting into severe weather season. So these are going to be much more um, right closer together. So May 2nd and 3rd, we had severe weather and tornadoes. Um, looking at that, let me see here. Uh, Christian County, two and a half miles north of Ozark. Oh, I remember that one, an EF1 tornado. Uh, tornado just west of Rogersville. That was an EF0 in Greene County. Oh, we had uh, uh, one and a half miles northeast of Squires in Douglas County. That was an EF1. There was, wow, in the May 2nd and 3rd. That's, 
I bet you those were those overnight ones. Because remember, they always happen at night, and I don't like that. Uh, May 19th and 20th, we had some severe weather going on. A Pleasant Hope, Missouri, which is not too far away from my mom's house. Uh, EF1 there. Uh, actually, two, Polk County, uh, two tornadoes. And uh, one went to the east-northeast. The other one went to the east-southeast. That was kind of strange. Uh, both EF1s estimated peak winds of 100 miles an hour. On May 31st, we had... Oh, no. No, they, they do this. Uh, yes, we are looking on the storm report site. Oh, hail up to the size of baseballs occurred in the Branson and Forsyth area. I remember we got some that. some pictures of that, didn't we? Yes, tennis ball. I mean, we got reports of tennis balls down there in, uh, Cur- no, yeah, Kirbyville, T Highway, around that area. Anywhere from Merriam Woods, draw a straight line to Forsyth and surrounding that area right there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and on into... What's the one he's at? Ozark County? Is that the one just, just east of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Ozark County, there was tons of stuff there. Uh, on Okay, then we were fine until June 26th. On June 26th, we had uh, a tornado five miles northwest of Osceola in St. Clair County. By now, we're getting out of storm season. Storm season for me ends around June 1st or so. You're kind of in the summer. Severe weather kind of shifts to the north a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's supposed to get really hot at that point. Right. And then uh, the the... Well, infamous July 19th storm, which we had Mike here, that uh, that uh, just a severe high winds that did lots of damage, and uh, especially here in Branson. Uh, we had August 19th, we had some severe weather around the area. That's when you were in Lebanon, remember? Oh, that's right, and I was trying to get back, yeah. yeah. Had a tornado near Diggins in Webster County. Uh, tornado in Verdella in Barton County, and also southeast of Sheldon, uh, Barton and Vernon County line. Uh, actually, two of those did that. And then North Milford in Barton County had another one south of Aurora. I remember that one, uh, Barry and Lawrence counties. Another one, Ritchie, Missouri in Newton County. Uh, Jericho Springs had a tornado. This is all in one day. This is that storm system that produced all these tornadoes on one one day it looks like they're ef zeros and ef one most of them were ef zeros so i'm not mm-hmm. uh, so they weren't really intense um and then we had something which is really cool which you mentioned earlier on november 1st november, okay now we're just getting at the end of hurricane season now a land spout tornado i thought that was interesting two miles south of iberia in miller county now you're probably saying a land spout tornado. What is that? Well, a land spout tornado is defined as a tornado that does not arise from an organized storm scale rotation and therefore is not associated with a wall cloud or a mesocyclone. So I guess kind of like a cold air funnel type of thing is what I'm Sort thinking. of. It sort of looks... It, and they're difficult to determine whether you're looking at a tornado or not. Yeah. It, sometimes it looks like a downburst. Sometimes it looks like... Uh, a real big dust devil type looking thing. Yeah. So it's really hard to determine what you're looking at until you see the rotation and you get closer to it. And I'm sure you could, you know, tell, but I, I would like to see one of those. I'd be interested. In seeing I would, one I would love to. And then, and then we had the, like the, uh, see November 30th, December 1st, that was a month ago. And I remember that vividly. Well, yeah, <laughs> 
Yeah, just right after Thanksgiving. Uh, tornado near Monette, EF0. Tornado EF1 near Aurora. Aurora and Monette, they really get it. I mean, they have for the past two years or so, for sure. Around the Aurora, Mount Vernon, Monette, Holberg area. Yeah. That's, maybe that's our little Ozark Tornado Alley right up there. It, it must be because I, I remember I'm reading these off in the various days, and it seems like Aurora is coming up a lot yeah. at that point. Now, that's where they had a fatality there at the Aurora Motel there across from Walmart uh, on oh, December right. 1st. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, let's see. It said it uh, damaged the Sutherland's Home Improvement Store Yep, and uh, tracked north, northward across Highway 60. Uh Crazy. And then Christian County, I remember that one. Uh, EF1 near Billings. Uh, Republic, another one. See, Republic's coming up again. EF1. Seymour in Webster County was an EF1. Hartville was an EF0. And those are, those, uh, Seymour and Hartville also are, are, name, are towns that come up again and again. Yeah. Because Seymour, I mean, was, it was close to Seymour on August 19th as well. That's where Diggins is. Close to Seymour. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, just follows that line, I guess. Yeah, and the last one they have reported here, Clever in Christian County. This Again, this was on the December 1st, November 30th, December 1st, at night, of course. But that's that's a lot, I think. I mean, now, it could it could have been a lot worse. We've had years it's had a lot oh, yeah, worse sure. severe weather and tornadoes and stuff. Uh, we had a flooding event on February 18th through the 25th. So there were several days in a row we got rain, a widespread three to six inches with localized seven inches of rain. I kind of remember that. It filled up my pool. I remember that. In February? Yeah. And it was just rain. Just rainwater. Yeah. And then uh, since it was not snow, we have a uh, snow, a dual system came through January 14th through 15th. And that was a widespread six inches of snow, or four to six, three, three to four to six, and then Branson <laughs> got six to seven. I remember that on the map. Well, I remember there was a winter storm, our winter weather advisory. There was never a winter storm warning associated with this. I re- yes, I remember that. And there should have been, in my opinion, because oh, I was yeah. out there shoveling it. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we tend to think, bro, Branson hasn't seen snow over five inches in, in years. And I'm like, well, we we had it last year. Yeah. We weren't expecting it. Not a lot actually, of... Actually, this year, we're still, yeah, yeah. January this year. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of hype going into this one, which which probably made it think like we weren't expecting it. I mean, we were expecting three inches or so. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, people... Nowadays, say, oh, they don't know anything. The weather people don't know anything. Well, it's winter weather for you. We got more than we were expecting that that time. It was in reverse of, of what we have had yeah. very recently. Well, and they talk about banding. Uh, snow bands come up. There's just like a bear clinic zone or, or an isotherm zone or whatever that that everything can just kind of congeal in one area. It's, it's kind of like training thunderstorms where they just kind of go over the develop and go over the same area. Well, banding is kind of like that where you just get these bands of heavy snow and those are impossible to predict. We know they're going to happen, but we can't tell you exactly. And I bet you anything, just looking at the, the accumulation map is Branson into Forsyth, just, just a little bit on that map. And I bet you anything, a banding, Thing just came up there because Springfield didn't get six inches or seven inches. No, no, they got like three. Right, so. and three is nothing to sneeze at. 
Well, not around the Ozarks, but the hills and curves and everything. Like yeah, that. I mean, people start freaking out when they say we say an inch or two. You know, they pop a winter weather advisor. Sure. I think it was pretty cold after that, wasn't it? Well, we had uh, the 14th and 15th. If I remember correctly, that was on a weekend. Uh, and then the 17th, we had a uh, cold snap. Came. I don't know if it was associated with that, but uh, I'm talking two hours, exactly two hours or 100 miles to our west in Miami, my hometown. They set the state record low for the year uh, on January 17th, minus 7.8, that's negative, 7.8 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. And, you know, you think of cold in Oklahoma, it usually always happens in the westernmost northern part, you know, the panhandle way out there where Mm -hmm. they get blizzards and everything out there. Goodland, Goodland coming up down western Kansas, sure. So it's always the coldest over there. But no, it was was in northeastern Oklahoma in the... Grand old town of Miami, only two hours from Branson. So almost eight, almost eight below. Yeah, that's pretty chilly. Yeah, and I, you know what? I bet just from the way the weather patterns are going, I bet it didn't, you know, stay long. I bet it's probably warmed right doubt, back up I again. I would doubt it. <laughs> Nothing stays long anymore around here. It just doesn't seem like it anyway. No, I mean, there's been a definite change in the past twenty years of the way things used to be and snows, and now right. we're just not getting anything. And that has to do with climate. And uh, like we say, we always check with the Climate Prediction Center, and we've been seeing them say at little slightly above average on on the temperature. So anyway, that's a great segue to get us to the weather school. It's all about the Climate Prediction Center. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, stormed our weather school. The Climate Prediction Center outlook is for a warmer-than-average winter. I guess we won't see any snow. Or will we? The Climate Prediction Center, or CPC, is a United States federal agency that is one of the national centers for environmental prediction, which are a part of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Weather Service. The CPC is headquartered in College Park, Maryland. Its roots trace back to the late 18th century with the United States Army Signal Corps taking over responsibility of the climate program in the late 19th century. Once it became part of the United States Weather Bureau, it was known as the Weather Bureau Climate and Crop Services. From 1957 through 1966, the United States Weather Bureau's Office of Climatology, located in Washington, D.C., and then Suitland, Maryland, published the Mariner's Weather Log publication. Late in the 20th century, it was known as the Climate Analysis Center for a time before evolving into the Climate Prediction Center in 1995. 
The CPC issues climate forecasts valid for weeks and months in advance. The roots of modern climate prediction can be traced to the late 18th century. One of the nation's first applied climatologists was Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States. A century later, the federal government assigned to the Army Signal Corps the mission to define the climate of the regions of the country being opened for farming. In 1890, the United States Department of Agriculture created the Weather Bureau Climate and Crops Services, which began publishing the Weather and Crops Weekly Bulletin, which the CPC, in conjunction with the USDA, still publishes today. The records of the Climate Division span from 1883 to 1961. For a time during the 1960s, the Weather Bureau's Office of Climatology was located in Suitland, Maryland. In 1970, various federal weather and climate functions were consolidated into the National Weather Service and placed in a new agency called the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. In the 1980s, the National Weather Service established the Climate Prediction Center, known at the time as the Climate Analysis Center. The CPC is best known for its United States climate forecasts based on El Nino and La Nina conditions in the tropical Pacific. The CPC's products are operational predictions of climate variability, real-time monitoring of global climate, and attribution of the origins of major climate anomalies. The products cover timescales from a week to seasons and cover the land, ocean, and the atmosphere extending into the stratosphere. These climate services are available for users in the government, the public and private industry, both in this country and abroad. Applications include the mitigation of weather-related natural disasters and uses for social and economic good in agriculture, energy, transportation, water resources, and health. Continual product improvements are supported through diagnostic research, increasing the use of models and interactions with user groups. Some specific products include the three-month temperature and precipitation outlooks and discussions, the one-month temperature and precipitation outlooks and discussions, the six to 10-day and eight to 14-day products, which include temperature and precipitation anomaly, excessive heat outlook, and maximum heat index prediction. They also have a three-month probability of exceedance in temperature, precipitation, heating and cooling degree days. They also cover the hurricane season outlook for the Atlantic and Pacific basins, along with the U.S. drought outlooks and discussions. They even provide international support for weekly hazards in Afghan, Africa, Central America, and Haiti. The CPC is linked to the National Climate Data Center, which was previously known as the National Weather Records Center in Asheville, North Carolina, and was the world's largest active archive of weather data. 
Starting as a tabulation unit in New Orleans, Louisiana, in 1934, the climate records were transferred to Asheville in 1951, becoming named the National Weather Records Center. It was later renamed the National Climate Data Center, with relocation occurring in 1993. In 2015, it was merged with the National Geophysical Data Center and the National Oceanic Data Center into the National Centers for Environmental Information. NOAA issues a yearly report called the State of the Climate. The report appears as a supplement to a summer issue of the Bulletin of the American Meteorological Society, which is a publication of the American Meteorological Society. The State of the Climate Report, known until 2001 as the Climate Assessment, is an international effort. The State of the Climate Report for 2017 was recorded as the third warmest year on record. 2017 was the warmest non-El Nino year in the instrumental record. There are three categories the CPC uses to forecast temperature and precipitation. Above, below, and equal chances. The above and below categories are divided into three subcategories, which are slightly, moderately, and well above. The CPC's outlooks can be misunderstood. What you need to know is that their products are based on large-scale averages for the forecast time period. For example, an above-average temperature prediction for January only means that the average temperature for the month is forecasted to be above the monthly average. There will be cold blasts and warming periods throughout the month, but the average is expected to be above normal. One can assume that since the overall average temperature forecast is predicted to be above average, that the likelihood of snow would be reduced. However, a quick-hitting major Arctic blast meeting up with a high precipitation system could indeed dump a lot of snow in your area. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people have a misconception. They, they see these uh, warmer than average and they say, well, there's no snow. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean there's no snow coming because... You get a big, I mean, I hate to use the word polar vortex. I'll say, I'll say an Arctic blast because polar vortex is technically not a thing. <laughs> but it sounds cool, Randy. It does sound cool. When, when the people on the Weather Channel say it, it sounds cool. <laughs> polar vortex bill. Doom. Oh, don't get me started on the naming thing. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll just kind of stop, stop naming storms next year, winter storms. That that's uh, no, I doubt it. No. So one thing we forgot to mention in the uh, 2018 events is this is the first year that we have had no violent tornadoes in the U.S. And this is since modern record keeping began in 1950. Yeah. Uh, there were no EF fours or EF fives 
Ain't that something. But we had tons of tornadoes. Oh, yeah. But no EF4s or EF5s. And it's the first time that's happened since they've been keeping that record. And in fact, I mean, there were tornado deaths, but for the entire country, for the entire year, there were only 10, which is almost unbelievable. It blows my mind. Yeah. Because you can have one tornado take out a mobile home oh, park and kill hundreds. that many. Hundreds, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so. and, and if you notice, when I was reading all those you know, severe weather and storm events, most, all of them except one was either EF0 or EF1. So they were low-end tornadoes. And uh, yeah, once you get to three EF4 and EF5, you're talking violent. I mean, the Joplin tornado, EF5, that was you know, be beyond a doubt, that was one of the strongest ones. And according to the Storm Prediction Center, here's a, here's trivia for you. Okay, I'll ask you this: What day? What time? What time of year? I'll even say what day mm-hmm. were the most tornado reports of 2018? What when did they have the most tornadoes? What time of day? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it, you what time of year? What which season is this day? Was this day in? Try to think. Well, it's either spring or fall. I mean, of okay. course, my first answer would be spring, right? Because, because that's, that's when the happens. season. But fall is that second season, so I'll say fall. What is it? Well, the most tornado reports, uh, according to the Storm Prediction Center, came on Halloween. Halloween. I remember it rained terribly. We couldn't really go trick or treating here, but that's when they had uh, in the southern. South, southeastern part of the United States, they had a tornado outbreak that night. So, wow. Yeah. How, yeah. Uh, what, what an unusual day right? to have a tornado outbreak. Jeez. Now, it, time it of shows, day? Did it say time of day or just the day? It was that evening, yeah. That evening? Oh, man, when all the trick-or-treaters are out. Ew. So it was just it's just a strange year, I guess. Yeah. What year was that? This year. 2018. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It was just a strange year altogether with no ef4s or ef5s and then you had the the biggest tornado of the year or outbreak of the year was the halloween and and we had our tornado death on december 1st so yeah and i mean we're i didn't check el nino i mean it's kind of been consistent that we're going to go into el nino which could play a big factor on spring coming up so we're going to be uh once we hit the new year starting next week we're going to start Thinking about, uh, I mean, we're in the middle of winter. Well, we're in the first part of winter, but spring is just around the corner. So we're going to start thinking about severe weather season. Well, it's time for the next segment, which is This Week in Weather History. So, Gord, you got anything? Well, This Week in Weather History. I do have something. It's just a generic one. Not really, but it's cool. I'll tell you that. Uh this week in weather history in 1971, it's the year my mom and dad got married, uh, a commercial airliner was struck by lightning during a severe thunderstorm and, and broke up midair over Peru. Now, Julianne Kopke, who was 17 years old, fell roughly two miles to earth, strapped in her seat, and survived with a broker, broken collarbone. When she hit the ground, she was lost for 11 days and traveled on foot for 11 days through the Peruvian rainforest before being rescued. Can you imagine? survived. Falling for two miles. Two miles. 
in a obviously storm. in the plane. Obviously, I mean, I guess or well, the plane broke up, so I mean, she was in the elements somehow. I'm sure. But uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm she glad a, she survived. Her right eye was swollen shut, and she had a gash to her right arm and a broken collarbone. But she was strapped to her seat. But still, you're gonna hit that ground pretty hard, right? I don't think I don't think anybody could survive by falling a mile, but let alone two miles. That's it was done December of nineteen seventy one. All because of a lightning strike hit the plane. Yeah. It's scary. Like I, they, you know, it must have been a big one. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think that's why uh, people, you know, the airplanes tend to want to go around those. I mean, not only lightning, but but uh, turbulent microburst. You know, oh, sure. the, the, those wind updrafts and downdrafts. That's the last place you want to be as an airplane in the middle of it. Then well, a lot of the planes can fly over now, but even though I mean, because I see a lot of planes, you know, pictures people in in the planes taking pictures of towers, storm towers, and they can see lightning underneath them. Mm-hmm. But it's probably a pretty tall storm. Yeah, and the technology they have now. I mean, right, I sure. mean the radars, they, all this Doppler, this high-resolution oh, yeah. stuff, they can do that. Wow. Well, good for her. I'm, I'm glad she survived. Oh, oh, I forgot to tell you. I was reading uh, the National Weather Service is – they've developed a new type of warning. Interesting. Yes, I've never heard of it, and I, we may hear about it. It's called a snow squall warning. Say that twice. <laughs> That's hard. Snow squall warning. Yeah. Wow. And I, the the definition for that would be like a, a very intense burst of snow that uh, it. They, they said it won't accumulate. It's not like they w- won't produce significant accumulations, but it, it's like a really hard hitting burst of snow and with if you got cold air behind that it could cause some travel difficulties so that might be you know like a winter weather advisory is is a broad brush but you know it could be like those banding those banding snow i mean i don't know how they're going to do it if they're going to do it you know really on a wide scale or just do it like for a county like they do a severe thunderstorm warning or from something. what i'm reading it looks like it's gonna be about the same as a severe thunderstorm warning just in a polygonal you know area that they can that would make sense. Draw on a map. Now, I'm guessing my weather radio will go off during that. Y- yeah, they said, y- yeah, they're going to put that into the, the weather radio. Yeah, I mean, it's not as hazardous as a tornado or a severe thunderstorm, but no. I don't know. Can, can you program your weather, weather radio to get certain warnings, or is it just all the warnings? I think so. I okay. think you can, especially the higher-end ones. Okay. Uh, I know you can do county by county and I have all the counties that are available to me so I can know what's coming. But, uh, I do believe you can, you can take flood out and you can take whatever. You yeah. Want because out, if but, you live, if you don't live near a flood right. zone, why would you need to and be no wake you up in the middle of the night and drive you crazy? Sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My, my mother always says that rather radio went off at like, you know, two in the morning or something and it's for a flood or something and it's like it doesn't even affect her so maybe maybe i'll have to get her a higher end yeah. higher end one well it's time for the weather word of the week it's the weather word of the week and this week stormed our weather weather word of the week is ablation love that word ablation <laughs> it's the process of being removed Wow. Yeah. Snow ablation usually refers to removal by melting. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I know you can ablate plaque on your teeth. Yeah. And that kind of thing when you go and just re- remove. So I thought that, but it was in the weather, you know, glossary. Ablation. So I thought, yeah. So I would, I'll, I like it. Ablate. Okay. I can, I, I'd just say just remove. But if, if the snow is going to melt, I guess if you wanted to impress your friends and use a big fancy word, you say, the snow is ablating. <laughs> so remember that next time it snows. Yeah. In five years. <laughs> Oh, man, we covered a lot today. We did. Yeah. That's good. I mean, you got anything else over there? Um, Just looking forward to that meteor shower. Maybe we can get some pictures. If we do, just send it to our site, and we'll get them up there. And, oh, definitely. And, yes. Uh, hopefully we get some. It's awful late or early, depending on when you go to bed. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, and if it ever snows, we st- we've still got our snowflake contest. We'll we'll bump that up. Oh, yeah. But it's got to snow first. Yeah, we got to get a, a picture of a snowflake. The contest, yeah. I I have a, I you know I have faith that we'll get that done sometime this this winter, hopefully early spring. I I have a gut feeling that we are going to get snow. I I don't know when. It's probably not going to be in the next two weeks. But no, but I yeah. just. It's probably going to be one of those freak snows at the end of March or first of April. I bet you anything. Well, that's usually what happens. Yeah, and then a big tornado comes along and blows all the snow away. And yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're getting wishful thinking. We want to make sure and let let everybody know. Be sure and visit our merch store at stormdarstore.bigcartel.com and buy our stuff. Get your doggy a doggy shirt to wear outside. Those are so cool. <laughs> I have some at the house. Oh, I you know I need to get. I mean, I have I have people that have have dogs, and that'd be the perfect thing to do is wrap your little doggy up in a Stormdar little doggy coat and take him for a walk, and right, they give us some advertisement. <laughs> okay, we better wrap this thing up. Be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page, and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us next year, which is next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. Bye.